The Why Me Project, an exclusive presentation of Faith Strong Today. Every week, I'm always excited when someone says yes. And it doesn't matter if it's 300 plus episodes. When someone says yes, it's uh, encouraging, Holly. Yeah, it really is. We've had some phenomenal conversations. So if you want to hear more of them, we would encourage you to like, subscribe, um, share this with your friends, depending on what platform you're listening to this on or watching it with YouTube. Just make sure you get those notifications so you don't miss out on future conversations that we're having. That's the only time we're going to sell you anything. (laughs) That was, it's a gift, not a sale. And for five easy payments. I've actually really enjoyed over the last while we've had a chance to talk a little more worship, worship music. Cause I mean, we've talked a lot about contemporary Christian music, but not necessarily do we get to dive into yeah. worship itself. Exactly. I feel like there's been a, a shift where even what you're listening to in the radio, there's a lot more um, churches who are mm. coming out with music. It's a lot more congregationally focused, if that's a, a way of saying it, but it's really cool just to see how music is being written for the church in the season that we are in, in a different kind of way than what we've seen in past decades. Every month we've had an opportunity to team up with Integrity Music, and uh, we have a songwriter, worship leader, Lucy Grimble. How are you? I'm really well, thanks guys. Thanks for having me on. Yes, thanks for saying yes, despite despite the time zone difference. Yeah, is it midnight there? Like, I'm just, (laughs) I worry sometimes when somebody's like, oh, we're going to go international. And I'm like, sorry, we won't go up in the middle of the night. It's a very respectable 5.15 p.m. Yes. (laughs) So don't go too long, we'll mess up dinner. Yeah, exactly. exactly. (laughs) Uh, Lucy, we like to ask this skill testing question because we never know where it's going to go. And that is, who are you and where did you come from? I'm born and raised in London, UK, Um, and yeah, grew up in the city, spent my whole childhood there, and um, I'm part of a lovely family, Uh, my mum and my dad and my sister, um, and yeah, that's that's me (laughs) in a nutshell. Um, London is so beautiful. Do you ever get just lost in the history? Do you find inspiration just by going to the grocery store? <laughs> Do you know what? I? So I actually recently moved house. I moved out of London after like 30-something years of living there. But mm. it would always like, you know, because I used to work in central London and I'd just be literally walking past Buckingham Palace on my commute to work. And the number of times I'd just like speed past it because I'd just be, you know, late for work or just, you know, on a mission. And then I'd suddenly catch myself and be like, that's like the Queen's house. That's crazy. So yeah, London is, it really is like a special place. Like, yeah, you, 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 it's easy to take it for granted, but then yeah, you suddenly have these moments like that is a big historical deal. Yeah. Uh, everybody that I know that we've ever talked to that lives in England, it's like I either live in London or just outside of London because nobody else knows other places. So they're like, oh, yeah, yeah no, I live in London. I'm like, oh, in London? Well, like an hour and a half outside <laughs> <Yeah>. of London. <laughs> but it's still, you know, nobody knows yeah. where Flutamana is. So I exactly in London. Yeah, That's yeah. my favorite place. I'm, I'm I'm like four hours out of London now. So I'm a bit further. We've sort of, you know, bunny hopped out outside of the home counties and gone into deepest deepest darkest countryside which is quite fun was was faith always a big part of your life yeah i mean i i grew up in a christian household so my parents um my parents really introduced me to faith as a little girl um my dad would read the bible to us every night 
Um, we always prayed every day. I grew up going to a church and, um, yeah, around about the age of eight, the Toronto blessing. So a blessing from Canada, um, came over to the UK, um, which was basically a move of, move of the spirit, like a sort of fresh wave of the spirit. I, I guess you describe it as that. Um, so my sleepy little suburban, um, church in London suddenly, it was almost like it just was hit by this, like, you know, crazy move of God. Um, and I think that really marked me as even at the kind of the age of eight, that really marked me and kind of made me realize that God is real and mm. that God is exciting and that God is wild. Um, so yeah, I did, I grew up, I guess, with like a, a basis and a grounding in faith, but also I'm so grateful to have grown up with experiences of God. Um, so yeah, yeah. Growing up with those kind of experiences, was there a moment where you were able to make the faith your own? Yeah, I'd say that didn't really happen until I was about 16. Um, and I just had that realization that I can't just inherit faith from my parents. Um, I think I realized that faith was a choice, that it was a choice that I had to make for myself. And so I just remember being at a church meeting and you know, the preacher was doing a classic, you know, if you want to know Jesus for yourself, like come forward. And yeah, um, I just, my heart was like pounding in my chest and I, I was like, okay, even though I've been to church pretty much every Sunday of my whole life, why do I feel like, you know, my heart beating so fast and like, I have to make this response. Um, and so, yeah, I, I kind of responded to that, um, that call to follow Jesus for your, for myself. Um, so yeah, that that was sort of yeah in my teens. Where did the love of music and the realization that you had this talent? Well, I've been playing instruments since I was a little girl. So I I was four when I started playing um, the piano and the recorder, um, which I actually played to grade eight, um, <laughs> which uh, I normally. <laughs> You know, it's, it's a slightly embarrassing instrument, although it does. There are some really beautiful recorder pieces out there. Yeah. Um, yeah and I played the flute as well and the saxophone. So I kind of grew oh, wow. up um, immersed in music, like mainly immersed in classical music. Um, I was a sort of well, I was a musical scholar at my school, which basically meant I did a lot of choral and orchestral musical playing. Um and then when I, again, when I was sort of in my late teens, I discovered songwriting, which was kind of this whole different world because I'd grown up, you know, reading notes on a stave and, you know, being told exactly what to play and when, and even down to dynamics and things. And then, you know, I sort of discovered songwriting inspired, um, in particular by an, a songwriter called India Ari, um, who I just absolutely love. And I was sort of listening to her music and thinking, gosh, she is so brave to be that mm. honest in a song and like share these, these like parts of her heart. And so I thought I would just try it for myself. Um, never thought anything would happen with it. It really was like girl playing three chords on a guitar in her bedroom. <laughs> that was the vibe. Um, but that really set me off on a sort of, I'd say like a more personal journey with music and, and writing and sort of, I guess, putting my story into music. I, I want to get back to like your, your musical journey, but Johnny, have we ever spoken to anybody who played the recorder more than just grade four? No, no. And <laughs> this nor, is a first. 
We need more recorder in worship albums, is what I'm I, I thinking. I think so. And a we little cowbell. My, my mom literally tells me that all the time. She's like, it makes me cry. <laughs> Aww. Like, okay. I, I, only, I only know, like, Hot Cross Buns is the song <laughs> that I think everyone plays, and The Squeak. And I was dreading my kid playing it, and they haven't had to play it yet, so I'm actually kind of excited. Because but people realize that it just there is you have to have a talent <laughs> you do. in order to play the recorder and yeah. the slide whistle. It's yeah, it's yeah. a slide yeah. whistle. <laughs> that aside, um, going from a classical, a classically trained musician, and mm. making that shift into diving into your creative self and like how God created you. That's a tough mm. shift. Cause I started with like the Royal conservatory and you're like, okay, yeah. this is going to be whatever, you know? Yeah. But then it's like, how, like how did you break past those self barriers to allow yeah. what is going Gosh. on inside to come out? Cause that's really hard. Mm. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's, it's interesting cause I mean, my experience of classical music, I think as you probably get higher up in classical music, it probably changes, but it's almost like you, your identity doesn't really matter because yeah. your job is to serve the music and your job is to mm. serve this like higher calling of like, you've got to honor the composer and what they wanted. Yeah. Um, whereas I guess with being an artist and with writing songs, so much of it is about self-expression and actually you really have to be so present and you really have to be, um, your voice is so important. So that has been a huge journey for me. I mean, I mean, I, I'd say I reluctantly went on this journey. I, I really, to this day, I don't love the limelight. I don't love being on stage. I love serving mm. people through music and I love the generosity and I love the kind of honor of sharing kind of songs, but I don't love being in front of people and performing or, you know, in that sense. So um, I think I've had to get over a lot of, um, I guess, like lack of self-confidence, um, just a lot of fear, you know, fear of actually being heard, fear of someone knowing that came from, that came from me and I meant it, you know, yeah. and not hiding behind um, any kind of facade or any kind of yeah, I guess I've always wanted to try and be as honest as possible and as vulnerable as possible, but that is easier said than done. Um, so that's been a huge journey um, mm -hmm. over the last 10, 15 years. You didn't always do full-time uh, ministry, though, did you? No, not at all. I mean, I, I went off to university. Um, I graduated. I came back to London, and then I went into the world of corporate um, public relations. Mm. So... Yeah, I worked in central London for 10 years um, in PR, but was always alongside, um, you know, the, the, the music never died, I guess. Like, and it, it was it was always a feature of my life. Um, and then I started to lead worship in my early 20s. Um, and then people started to hear the songs I was writing and then kind of one thing led to another. And there was more of a demand, I guess, on on me, on my worship leading, on my songwriting. So it started to come out into the open a lot more. How difficult of a decision then was it to leave, you know, nine to five to then go into full-time ministry? Because it's one thing to say, oh, God is calling me to do this, but it's another thing to take <laughs> that step. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, it was, it was really hard to be honest. I, um, you know, I, I wrestled with it 
a lot. Um, you know, I grew up in a very academic household um, mm. where sort of career is is very important and stability and, you know, um, I guess like status, the status that comes with having a really good career. Mm-hmm. And so the thought of being full-time in ministry or in music was just so, it felt so far from that mindset. So I think I had to... Um, I had to just really go to the to the Lord with that and be like, okay, I, I really feel that this is actually calling. Um, like as in, I think you've put music in my life. Um, I think you've given me this gift as an actual calling. And I, I really feel like I'm actually going to be disobedient to you if I don't pursue it and if I don't follow it. Um, and I think what really helped is I, I took a sabbatical from my job um, I took a four month sabbatical and the, the aim of that sabbatical was just say, okay, God, I'm available and I need to know, like, do I, should I do this or not? Mm. And, um, I, I traveled around a bit. I went and stayed with different sort of, I guess, almost like monastic communities and just had a lot of time to pray and, um, and talk to really wise people. And I came back from that sabbatical and I went back to work and I just said to my boss, I can't. I, I can't come back full time. Like I have to make more space for my music and God bless Brenda Bates, my lovely boss, because she was like, if you are still here in a year, I'm literally going to fire you because you have to do this. Um, so that also just like that felt, that felt like the Lord because she was like, I really like you and I really want you to stay on the team. But I really see that this is so important to you. So actually I want to kind of push you out of the nest and, and so, yeah, that, that really helped, like having, having experiences like that. So it didn't just feel like I was, you know, having to make the decision all on my own. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it still was quite a hard decision because it's oh. a big shift. Oh, for sure. So you're shifting from playing other creators' music to now playing the music that the creator is putting in your life. Now you're yeah. trying to step outside of your comfort zone. How was your family um, in this particular season of your life? And just how did they support you? Yeah, I mean, my family are so supportive. I think, you know, my 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 mum and dad probably don't always they don't always get the kind of creative ministry um, world um, because I think it is quite quite a world and quite a culture unto itself. Yeah, um, and they've had these incredibly impressive careers and their their mindset is just you know you have a stable job and then you do that job for like 40 years and then you retire mm-hmm. whereas mm-hmm. ministry is so much more like you know you you're essentially you are following god and you're you're leaning on god and you're trusting him for so many things um and it's so unpredictable and things are always changing and you know, you're having to be kind of entrepreneurial and creative and innovative um, all the time. And I'm not saying that that's, that's exclusive to like ministry and music, because I think lots of careers have those hallmarks. But I think just sometimes it, they maybe slightly struggle to, um, to get the motivation for some of my decisions. So I just kind of made the decision early on, like, you know, God, if you're, if this is the right thing, then they'll, back it and they'll believe in it by the fruit so I was Mm. like I'm just going to stop stressing trying to kind of prove to them but no it's the right thing no it's the right thing and I'm just going to let the fruit speak for itself and it will either be right or or not right you know so that really took the pressure off me because I was like this can't just be on me to like 
for this to be the right thing. God, you have to also kind of show that you're you're in this. And yeah, thankfully that has happened over and over again. And I think, yeah, my parents are just so, so supportive. And I think they can see that it's the right thing that I that I chose this path. I want to talk about your new album, which was released last week. But I also want to talk about musical influence, because if you look back in like the 90s, in North America, our big influences were uh, the likes of Delirious or Tim Hughes yeah. or Matt Redman. Do you find that there's musical influences that influence you for your music? Oh, yeah, heaps. I mean, yeah, I've got so many artists that I'm just like, oh, wow, like, how do you do that? <laughs> um it's it kind of changes per album. So um, with this latest album, um, there were a few artists in particular that I was like just soaking up and just like just so inspired by. Um, so artists like Marcus Mumford, um, he released a self-titled album that I just found so inspiring. Um, there's an artist called Yeba who, again, just her like her melody, her harmony, and the way she just plays with music is just so inspiring. Um, yeah, the, I'd say those were like sort of the top two for for this current album. But yeah, musical musical influence. There's so many artists that inspire me. So how do you take their sounds and their influence, but then still make it uniquely you without you being them? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I think it's, it's more about like their approach. So with, with, um, the Marcus Mumford album, what I really loved was that he was very experimental with sound. So he'd have instruments on there, but he'd, he'd sort of make them sound like different instruments. So he, maybe there's like a, a cello or, um, I can't, I can't think of an example, but it's that approach of kind of, being playful and being experimental. So I think that just really gave me and the producers I was working with permission to be like, right guys, let's just, let's have some organic instruments on this album, but let's, let's play with the sounds and let's try and make things mm. sound different. So there's like detuned guitars on there that sound like basses. There's um, lots of prepared piano where you sort of do stuff to the piano strings to make it sound kind of, janky or like make it sound like a synth or you know we just we just had fun in the studio and I think that was that was it was more about the approach and okay that the artist has done that and they've been really clever in that way that gives us permission to also do the same um the same with Yeba like you know her vocals are just so rich like she, she she'll layer loads and loads of vocals onto her track and it just adds this very like earthy kind of organic feel to the track. And, and I think that was really important to these songs. So again, we would be like, right, there's going to be lots of vocal layers on here. Um, that's kind of the sound we want to go for. Mm -hmm. You also had someone who's specially close to you <laughs> working with you on this album. <laughs> I <laughs> like, did, how, do I, how do I frame this? <laughs> what was it like working with your husband on this? <laughs> um, it was, it was so great. I mean, it was, it was our first year of marriage, which I oh. wouldn't recommend um, <laughs> because it, you just are learning a lot about each other in the studio. And yeah. we had like a, th a third producer in the mix as well. And to be honest, I feel 
a bit sorry for Drew because sometimes it genuinely would be like he was being kind of the therapist for us because, <laughs> oh, you know, Tom, me and Tom are both very opinionated. We have, and, and also we really care about our ideas. Mm-hmm. So sometimes in the studio, we would knock heads. We would like, you know, be, really be fighting for our ideas. And Drew was having to kind of be this right guys, like, let's, how do we like work this out? <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it was great. I think the thing I love about Tom is he, he is just so loyal. And I think from day one of even us starting to date, um, he just always has believed in me and believed in my music and, and really wanted to support that. So I think I was just constantly blown away with like, gosh, he is sacrificing so much to do this project. Um, and you know, being so generous with, with ideas and being, yeah, just being so generous. So yeah, I, I feel I feel like a very blessed wife to have worked with my husband on this project. Between the Shadow and the Sun, uh, just released on October the 6th. Is it, from your perspective leading up to it, is there anticipation, like excitement? Is there worry? What is your feeling as you're coming up to the day of? Every album is different. I haven't really felt worried so much about this album I mean, I think initially when I was recording it, I was concerned because my previous projects have been very much more sort of on the nose worship. Um, yeah. On the nose worship. That's not really a phrase, but, you know, we're just making much it. more We're taking over- we're we're taking one. <laughs> but, you know, kind of songs that you could sing in church, um, much more yeah. congregational, whereas this is much more of a listening album. It's, it's a lot more personal. It's a lot more vulnerable. And I think yeah. in the early days of starting to make it and really feeling like I really believe this is the album I'm meant to make. I was kind of nervous because I thought, you know, are people that listen to me and people that follow me going to just find it self-indulgent or, you know, am I allowed to just have a much more personal project or should it, does it all have to be kind of worship unto the Lord? Um, and I think I've kind of changed my view on that and I do see it as it's, it's all worship. I'd say this album's much more in the kind of, psalms camp of like there's some lament and there's wrestle the wrestles of faith and there's you know struggle as well as um sort of praising god and and declaring who he is so anyway that was kind of the backstory but leading up to it um i think i've just felt quite excited i think Mm. when you when you go through that journey of making music and you know this was a studio album and we all just worked so hard on it. And I think we only signed off on it when we were really like, we feel like we've got the songs and we feel proud of them. And I think when you reach that point, then you're just excited for people to kind of hear the songs and to share them. So yeah, I think I felt, I think I felt quite excited in the run up to this one. It's interesting because you had said that in some ways this is more so for yourself as an artist, do you find that is there a difference between writing music for church or writing music for radio or writing music for yourself? Or is that just an entirely wrong idea that I have? Um, I think there is a difference. Um, and I think there should be because you, you're, you're thinking about a different, you know, the songs have to perform a different function. So I think you sh- you do need to approach them differently. So if I'm writing a congregational song, um, I've got a very different head headspace to if I'm writing a more personal song, like with, with the songs on this album, 
I was able to lean a lot more into kind of poetry and, you know, mm. playing with lyrical ideas and thinking of really fresh ways to say things. And actually you could talk about things quite obliquely because I know that the listener is not a Sunday morning worshiper who really just needs to understand what they're singing and connect with it. And, and it makes sense kind of like from the get go with, with personal songs, I think you can layer in more, um, like, I don't know if the word is mystery, but like there's more of a discovery process that you can take your listener on. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think, I think it is, it should be different. Personally, mm-hmm. I haven't ever written for radio, so I can't comment on that, but I, de- you know, definitely from congregational to personal songs, I, yeah, it's a different headspace, I would say. There's going to be things that the audience gets from the music. Was there something that God was teaching you as you were writing those songs and preparing for its release? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so much. Um, I mean, I think, you know, I started to write these songs in the middle of the pandemic. Um, I was really in a, in a sort of just in a very fragile state. Um, I think with other projects I've done, they've kind of come from a place of strength, but this album definitely came from a place of weakness. Um, and, it really, it felt like a journey of refinding God. Um, you know, through this whole time I was, um, I was a worship pastor at my church and leading worship every Sunday, mainly kind of online down, down a camera. And some weeks it honestly felt like I was holding on by like a piece of, I don't know, like dental floss, um, (laughs) to my, to my faith. And, you know, I was just really like, God, I, I have nothing, but I know, I know you're there and I know you're faithful. So I'm just going to trust, trust in that. And just, you know, it's almost like, but for your grace, <laughs> go I. Um, and so it was a really interesting place to write from. And I think I really was trying to be careful. I didn't want to draw, well, I personally didn't want to go into a space of like deep doubt and confusion and almost like creating God in my own image because I couldn't, you know, necessarily understand what what was going on um i wanted to still um be resting on the faithfulness and goodness and kindness and the nature of god but i couldn't deny that it was coming from much more of a kind of i'm i'm like feeling after you and i'm trying to find you kind of place rather than like i'm so certain of who you are and i'm just going to shout it from the rooftops so if if any of that makes sense um that was kind of the context that i was writing from and I think the big, the big lesson through all of it was just this journey of, of trust, of just being reminded over and over again that the bottom line is that we are called to trust God. Um, and that, yeah, that that is such a beautiful invitation, like in, in hard seasons, in seasons of deep doubt or seasons of deep disappointment that, um, trust doesn't have to look like, yep, I got this. I know, I know what's going on. Trust just has to look like dependence and just leaning on God and, and asking for him to like, to show, to show you where he is. Um, so yeah, I think, I think it was just a a deepening journey of, of learning to depend on God when it felt like the whole world was changed. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, and it has, and oh, it's, yeah. um, <laughs> it's 
wild just to look back and reflect on those years and just to see the art that was created and just the journeys that so many of us went on. I mean, I wish we could learn the best lessons by being in the mountaintops, but (laughs) unfortunately, diamonds are forged by pressure. Pressure, yeah. And for you, (laughs) clearly there was a season of asking questions. And so Mm. this is the Why Me Project. And so were there Mm. moments where you were asking why me? Um, I think it's actually been, it's been more kind of coming out of the pandemic and and feeling like I came out actually quite a changed, quite changed in my faith. I think mm-hmm. a lot more sober in my faith, a lot more, um, how do I explain it? Just a lot less like, woo woo, like, you know, power. And, you know, I feel, I feel strong and I feel victorious and like, let's go and, you know, I don't know, like fist pump, um, <laughs> much yeah. less like that. That was so incoherent, but, um, and, and much more like just my hands are open and I don't have much, but all you ask is for like, you know, the loaves and fishes or, mm. you know, you just ask for a mustard seed of faith. That's all you ask for Lord. And you are, it's actually reliance on you, <laughs> like who you are and not my own strength. So I think coming out of um, the pandemic in that slightly, slightly weakened, but also deepened place, I would say. And then off the back of it, like as, as things have developed, like um, I've been invited to lead worship in some, in some pretty like Pentecostal environments, um, some kind of majority, um, majority African churches where it is much more kind of word of faith declaring like who God is. Um, I got to play at Wembley arena, which is like a a massive sort of stadium here in the UK to like 10,000, um, like just absolutely faith filled people. And I think that is more the why me moment because I'm, I'm kind of, you know, when you almost like feel like you're disqualified because you're, you're not feeling like, on the mountaintop, like you're saying, you are feeling like I'm coming to this kind of much more like on my knees and just so in need of you, Jesus. Um, but then I'm learning that is it, that is where, where I'm meant to be, you know, like actually that's not weakness. That is, that is strength and, and coming to God and just saying, I'm so utterly dependent on you. If you don't show up, then I, I literally have nothing in the tank. That is actually how I want to live. So it's kind of why me in the sense of like, I feel like a fish out of water, but also I think it it is me because maybe I've got that, um, that attitude. I don't know. Um, who knows? Maybe that's why it's the why me question because no. <laughs> we don't know. Yeah. And we just let, and you know, leave those like higher, <laughs> higher answers to God. So, wow. yeah. Between the Shadow and the Sun, which is uh, out now, LucyGrimble.com, at Lucy Grimble as well, on the socials. She's uh, known for her on-the-nose worship. Lucy, this has been uh, amazing. Thank you for taking some time and hanging out with us. Thank you for your lovely questions, and thanks for taking time with me. I could have talked to her for hours. Yeah, that was so much fun. Hours. Oh, so much. And then what I also love, too, though, is that 
we can dive into the different forms of worship and that there are different ways that God can come and speak to us through music. And it doesn't have to be a contemporary or a modern. It can be conceptual or personal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I also so appreciate the vulnerability there to say, yeah, I was Mm. not in an awesome place. I was tired. Life was hard. And I think Mm. sometimes we put worship leaders on pedestals. We just assume that they have it all together, that they've got this incredible connection to God and they're just, you know, they're good. But a lot of their music is coming from places where they're struggling, which I think is really beautiful because a lot of us are struggling a lot of the time. And when they can write music that connect you with God and, and speak to where you're at, I just, I love that so much. What I appreciate about a musical artist is that it's like, oh, I love that song. Yeah, it took me five years to write. Or yeah. other people are like, I was in the worst part of my life, which then birthed this beautiful song. Or other people are like, yeah, it's like five minutes. I sat there and I was like, okay, yeah. I like this song. Boom. So different walks, different situations can create just this amazing sound that comes from each and every artist. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's worship music. We're, we're praising yeah. God and sometimes crying out to God, but it's a, a beautiful thing to be a part of and beautiful communication. Yeah. Speaking of a uh, beautiful thing to be a part of, thank you for being a part of what we're doing and uh, being a part of the Wyme Project. Yes, and so you can be a part of it in so many ways. You can download, rate, review, mm-hmm. subscribe, ring the bell so you get the notifications that a new episode has come an episode has come out if you listen to yeah. us on our YouTube channel. Yeah, it's good. All, all the socials and uh, follow us wherever you can connect with us. And we'd love to uh, hang out with you. Big thank you. Also went to Integrity Music. FaithStrongToday.com is where you can find more. Yeah.